Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you and welcome to another episode of Perspectives on Healthcare. My guest today is Dr. Rob Mortkin. He is a urologist by training. He is also the chief medical officer of a company called Let's Get Checked. He is from Washington, D.C. and is a member of the baby boomer generation. Dr. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Good to see you. Yep. And listen, you know, you have the best first name that a person can possibly have. So we're, we're off on the right foot there. Could not agree with you more on that one. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Let's start here. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. Yeah, I, I uh, originally from Southern California, which is where I, I did my uh, undergraduate in, in medical school training at the University of Southern California. I then uh, came east to D.C. Uh, and pursued my surgical and urologic residency at Georgetown University and stayed on the faculty there for a number of years and then uh, came across the, the, the Potomac River to Northern Virginia and Arlington at the Virginia Hospital Center, where I currently uh, practice. I'm the. Uh, I oversee a, a division, a surgical division within the physician group uh, here at the hospital, and am heavily invested uh, in robotic surgery. So my my sort of professional arc over the last two decades has been uh, focused more and more on robotic or minimally invasive surgical interventions, uh, primarily in the arenas of kidney cancer, bladder cancer, and prostate cancer. Okay, so. This is very interesting to me because, um, listen, I'm a quadriplegic. So um, yesterday I was involved in a study at the Human Engineering Research Laboratory here in Pittsburgh, literally working with a robot. And it had two ways that it functioned. There was an automated option and there was a user-controlled option. So I guess my my question for you is, are you doing uh, – are you – doing like robot assisted surgery where, um, you know, you're kind of driving the joy. It's not, I'm sure it's not exactly a joystick, but you're, you're operating the controls or is there an automated element to it as well? No, there's uh, no automation at all. Quite frankly, uh, this is really almost the robotic term is almost a bit of a misnomer. It's probably be- best, better thought of as almost a technology interface to the surgical instruments or, or almost a, a slave type uh, interface to the instruments between the surgeon and the instrumentation. It's not, there is zero automation. Uh, We don't get to sort of program in, remove kidney cancer, hit the button and go get a cup of coffee. Uh, It will not move. There is no actionable. uh, uh, There's really no actionable uh, output without the surgeon actively engaging um, in real time. Got it. I appreciate the explanation. Um, So, what does quality healthcare mean to you? Yeah, I, I think my understanding of quality healthcare, or perhaps my definition or experience with quality healthcare, has expanded over the course of my career. Because uh, more recently in my career, I've I've developed other areas of interest beyond 
uh, urologic surgery or, or, or robotic surgery. Um, you know, if, if I think back to kind of that sort of first chapter or chapters of my career, quality meant uh, to me a lot about precision and experience in terms of expertise in, in you know, performing a surgery, for example, uh, that you know, quality meant that you could perform that operation uh, in a, employing a technique that was, no pun intended, on the cutting edge, that you were really doing something that really defined the way the surgery should be done and should be done by others, that it be done very precisely, uh, that, you know, that there is a component to that in the operating room about minimizing trauma to surrounding areas, to lowering blood loss, to being quick in the operating room. So patient's time under anesthesia is shortened. Th- those would have, that would have kind of been where my, my definition would have clustered at that point. Um, starting in uh, 2016, 2017 and, and beyond, I then became involved with Let's Get Checked and, and you know, took on this role as the chief medical officer. And it really expanded my view about the definition of quality because at Let's Get Checked, um, the, the company's purpose is, is to help people live uh, happier, healthier lives and, and doing that by empowering individuals to have easier access to certain diagnostics. Um, and so, you know, as, as one of the reasons I became very excited about Let's Get Checked and have become very involved with the company is because it really puts a lot more control into the patient or the consumer's hands uh, beyond kind of our traditional uh, brick and mortar sort of healthcare pathways where, you know, all of us have experienced, you know, having to uh, figure out how do I find a doctor? What kind of a doctor do I need? How do I make an appointment? Wait times that could go on into, you know, days, weeks, months getting to the office, waiting hours to, to get in, to get to be seen, then having to go get testing done, then trying to figure out on the back end of that, when am I going to go back in to learn about my tests? What do I do about them? And so it let's get checked. The idea was to knock down those barriers, remove some of those friction points. And, and to me, that really has been in many ways, what I think quality healthcare, particularly peri-pandemic and post-pandemic uh, is going to, to be defined by more and more. So it's going to be about access, uh, about vol- uh, value, uh, about availability, um, and, and then a, a more holistic approach uh, to how we deliver care so that it's not just siloed. So you don't just have a person or an entity that's doing the diagnostic, um, and then you've got to go elsewhere to get the clinical support, or you have to go elsewhere to get the therapeutic if that's you know a medication or something like that. We're trying, let's get checked, to, to wrap all that sort of holistically and vertically integrate that so that it can all be done from the comfort, convenience, uh, anonymity of your own home. Okay. So talk to me about the balance then between, like, is this telehealth or is it um, like testing that's done through artificial intelligence or like, is it an app or how, how does the whole thing work, if you don't mind? Yeah. Yeah, no. So it's it's probably a little bit of all of that. I mean, I think that it's probably most um, easy to understand it. It is telehealth uh, that you're engaging or able to engage in a remote fashion with a clinical team. Um, but that could be a variety of different ways. That doesn't necessarily mean telephone to be telehealth, right? It can okay. be through asynchronous methodology, um, you know, texting or, or 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 some methodology like that web-based, um, you know, w- it, it, let's get checked. We have a evolved um, app that people can 
download and do all of it through there. Um, but it's clinical support across all layers. So it's, it, it's not just physician, but it's physician, nurse, practitioner, nurse, uh, dietitian, pharmacist, whatever area of knowledge or specialty uh, needs to be pulled on to, to provide that kind of care, whatever the care is or the, the clinical question is, we want to be able to bring that to bear. Um, underpinning all of that, though, is, is, is diagnostics. And so, you know, we know that at least two thirds, if not more of all clinical encounters um, really involve at some level, a form of diagnostics, blood test, urine test, maybe imaging, things like that. Uh, and so, um, you know, the, the, the diagnostic component is crucial to be able to offer that. And again, trying to reduce friction points, uh, you want to be able to bring that to somebody where they are uh, and when they're there. So the ability to bring that safety, anonymity, convenience of the home. Uh, and then being able to prescribe off the back end of that if, for example, medications are appropriate depending on the clinical scenario. Okay. Uh, you've done this a, a little bit, but can you give me an example of quality healthcare, please? Uh, yeah, I think I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, I mean, you know, off the top of my head, I mean, you know, I'll give you one. Somebody comes, uh, you know, to my 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 practice and, and they've got a, uh, a four centimeter tumor in their kidney. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the various ways that one might go about managing that. And first, we're going to start off about what is the most likely diagnosis. Uh, and we're going to then get into what are the therapeutics uh, around it? What are the various options? And explaining that in a way that somebody can understand that, uh, that the layperson can understand that. To me, that's quality. It's not just about you're coming in, you need a surgery, go schedule. It's about really getting somebody the understanding about what the concern is, what the rationale is with how you got there, and then what the options are so that somebody can make an informed decision. And then once you move beyond that, then getting them into the therapy, if in my case, it would be into surgery uh, and performing that procedure uh, to, the, to the highest level of outcome that's possible in terms of ease of recovery, safety in the operating room, um, uh, and, and then everything along that journey and then in on into the post-operative period. So that, that would be one example. Uh, another example I can give you uh, would be, you know, putting on my, my Let's Get Checked hat uh, is, is uh, in, in some of the population screens we've been able to do. We, we have, because we can engage with people in a, in a telemedicine remote fashion, um, we've been able to work, for example, with some um, large payer groups uh, who are trying to reach difficult to reach populations, perhaps in remote areas, underserved areas of the country, things like that. Um, you know, we had a story literally yesterday of somebody who uh, heard us giving a presentation about a colon cancer screening test, thought to themselves, you know, for five years now, I really knew I needed to do something. I, I think it's a colonoscopy I should get, but I don't really remember. And they thought, oh, what the heck, I'll just, I want to see what the patient experience is like. I'll go ahead and order one of these tests. Well, you can imagine where this ends up, right? They get the test, it comes to their home, they self-collect their specimen, it goes off to our lab, uh, they get a result back that's abnormal, our clinical team swoops in uh, remotely, but, but swoops in, uh, you know, communicates with them through their app, notifies them of the result, notifies them of next best steps, they go off, they see a gastroenterologist, lo and behold, they've got a mass in their colon, uh, and they have, you know, previously unrecognized, previously undiagnosed, but here's an example where we're able to intervene and phase migrate a lot of healthcare. So we're catching that person before they're symptomatic, before they're down the road in their disease. 
And to me, that's really, really exciting. You know, Rob, I I don't have to tell you, it sounds like you've touched healthcare a lot over the years. And I'm sure you have experienced, as many of us have, the reactive nature of of healthcare in this country. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, it it is, it's something that's evolved over time. But boy, wouldn't it be great to be able to be much more proactive so we don't have to be as reactive. And so to me, that's quality as well. Okay. I appreciate those two examples, and I think you're spot on with the with um, being proactive instead of reactive, being preventative instead of treatment based. Um, I, exactly. It's it's a whole paradigm shift within the system. So yeah, um, what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? Um, about my role in healthcare, I think uh, well that whatever level or however I'm engaging with them, whether it be, you know, as that urologic surgeon who, who does this narrow band of operations, or if it's somebody who's trying to help move a telemedicine company into an expanded role, um, that always I understand that at the, the end user, the, the tip of the spear, if you will, of this, there's a human being there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we're really trying, and it's one of the great, uh, it, it's the reason probably I decided in many ways to go into medicine to begin with, but it, it continues to this day, 25 years or whatever it is into my career, um, that it is such a, an absolute honor to have people put their most valued asset, their life or the life of a loved one or their, their health in your hands. And uh, I don't think any of us that I know and certainly that I get the pleasure and honor to work alongside ever forget that every day. We, we understand um, very much that we're not, you know, stamping out widgets, not that there's anything with, wrong with a widget stamper. We need those in the world, too. But um, we appreciate that, you know, that the end user here is, is a human being, is a human life. Yeah, I, I think what you said there is so vitally important because um, oftentimes you have you know, a waiting room full of patients and it's possible for them to begin to run together and for them to, to just become the people that come into the office and you lose the realization that each of them is coming in most likely because they're at a very difficult point in their life. So, you know, it's not just another bladder surgery. It's not just another, you know, cancerous um, growth that you've got to remove to them. It is the cancer growth and it is the problem that they're facing right now. So uh, what you've said, I think, is extremely powerful. Uh, what excites you about the future of healthcare? Uh, I think that uh, a few things. I, the fir- first of all, I, I, I would say that what we have started at Let's Get Checked with this ability to give much more direct access to individuals, to their healthcare, and their ability to, to access diagnostics, access clinical support, uh, is really exciting. I remember, and a lot of this, quite frankly, has been spurred on by the pandemic. Uh, you know, let's get checked. It was around for a number of years before the pandemic, and and was growing and 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 doing well. Um, but there was often a lot of explaining that had to go on when you were talking to somebody about what it is you did and why you were doing it. Uh, and then, of course, the pandemic shows up, and not only does the does the model get proven, right, that this idea that remote care is is uh, reasonable, but it actually becomes vital because it was really for a period of time, right, the only way 
uh, to be able to render care for anything outside of COVID. We had to migrate very quickly into this remote model of care. Um, and so I, I'm excited uh, that, that 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 now has really gained, not a foothold, but has really gained, you know, established traction that will only continue to grow. So I think we're going to see a lot more evolution in that particular space. It does not mean it's the end of, you know, all traditional pathways. We're still going to have hospitals. You're still going to have surgeons located in hospitals. You're still going to be doing all that. Your primary care doctor as well. No one's going to be out of a job. It just means more access, more opportunity, and more ability to be proactive. So that excites me a lot. Uh, The other is, and it marries into that is the technology, the technology and the technology component to this. Um, you know, the, the thought that you would be able to go on an app on your phone while you're, you know, riding the Metro home or while you're sitting at Starbucks, you know, waiting for your friend to show up and be able to order a test kit or be able to message your physician uh, or your nurse or your nurse practitioner to get some thoughts or to ask for a refill on your medication that'd be sent directly to your house. Uh, that's pretty amazing, but that's, I mean, that's blase nowadays, right? I mean, that's not even where we're at. So moving into some of these, the technology that's coming out around home monitoring and home diagnostics can be done. Um, you know, biometrics, being able to monitor people's blood pressure, uh, oxygenation, heart rate, r- heart rhythms uh, at home uh, is amazing. And we're going to really be able to move people out of, uh, you know, sort of some traditional care centers, get them in places they're more comfortable, like home. Uh, And then that takes the traditional care centers, makes them more available for the really, really acute, really, really critical people that really need the access. So I think technology as a general answer is, is what excites me because, you know, look, if you had told me when I walked across the stage uh, to get my MD degree, that I'd be doing 90 plus percent of my operations using a robot, um, I, I would have thought you were insane. I mean, I think nobody even heard of a robot at that point for sure. surgery. And yet here we are in 2022. And at least as it relates to, to the surgical portion of my career, that in fact is the case. So uh, it's just a continuing evolution. And, and really what that means is just is better things for patients. Okay. Well, let me just say this much. And that is, I've always thought that I got gypped because, you know, when I was in elementary school and they were talking about, you know, in the year 2000, we're all going to have jetpacks and we're all going to have all of these amazing things. At least you've got a robot to help you, you know, to work with in doing surgery. The other piece that I will say that's so vital about what you talked about, the more you can keep people from having to come into congregate care settings um, where like all of the sick people come there, and so the worst of the infections happen to be in those areas. So the more you can keep people out of the hospital, the more you limit their exposure to some of those potential um, more harmful, um, you know, more harmful infections and germs that exist in those settings. Uh, last question for you. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Uh. Uh, this might be a little different maybe than you hear from others. I think one of the things that we can do as medical professionals uh, is try to um, inspire the next generations to follow this, this path. Um, I I think that, that uh, well, I I don't think there's a shortage of people going to medical school by any means. Um, I, I don't think it was, it certainly is quite, perhaps the career that it was 
maybe even or the attractive career that it was a generation even before I I went down this road. And so, you know, as we know, the population continues to grow and certainly the aged component of the population continues to grow. I think I, I heard it, is it a statistic that something like, is it 30%, if not more of the country will be over the age of 65, I think by 2030 or something, you know, the demand obviously on healthcare is going to be there. So we want as professionals, we should be doing everything we can to recruit uh, and inspire the next generation and their next generation. Cause quite frankly, those are the people that are going to be taking care of me. And, and, and I, I want them to be the best they can possibly be. Um, I mean, I'll say over the last few days, I've had the great fortune to have um, some high school students and college students just doing some shadowing just to gain experience. And uh, it was really inspiring to, to see their their enthusiasm. Uh, I have a daughter in high school who's strongly considering a career in healthcare, and I, I couldn't be couldn't be prouder. So, um, yeah, that's what I think we can do. Yeah. Hey, I think that it's well stated and a, a great way for us to wrap up our time together. Dr. Rob, thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time and I respect your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit perspectivesonhealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.